and I will give you two right now. These guys. One's more bolder than the other. You decide. I'll do something crazy. You think people are drinking the Kool-Aid now? Just wait until pits can go to bars. I don't understand. I don't understand. That would have been... What do you want from a home? Brainwash them. They're going to do something. Probably too scared to move things that look shiny. The difficulty or strategy or play style. The writing's on the wall, but probably not on yours. It's less about whether I just purely want to sell or to buy a play. So sell the dude. I know, I know, I know. With J-Rob. Oh, that's not a big deal. With this season, we're about to shred it into pieces. We are here to fix that. A logical decision. Always, always, always. But fear not, that you is better than Mike Evans. What's up, everybody? It is the Draft Genius. I am back again, and we are attacking your roster today. Build it back up into something even more great than what it already is, because you've been listening to the show. You've been listening to Sleepwire. You've been following along all summer. You've been prepping to win that championship this year. You are going to get fantasy gold, or maybe it's like some money, right? Money is just as good as a trophy for me. I really, really, really loved talking about buys last time. Well, why don't we talk about sells, right? People always talk about, oh, buy this guy, buy this guy, buy this guy. But yeah, it's all good. You could be a hoarder, but who are you getting rid of? You could only have so many people in your roster, and I genuinely love getting rid of the old trash that other people think is treasures although i am a hoarder of players as you all know my guys are my guys but if they don't become my guys anymore or if they are just absolute crap for four years um i might give up depending on position and depending on who they are hint hint patrick mahomes kind of coming soon not saying he's crap but i am about to say sell and you're gonna find out why this episode i am joined again by my guy, Iowa. What's going on, man? What is up, DG? Yeah, several interesting takes right out the gate there. I'm interested to hear your sales. Last week was a blast. I have been accused of hoarding players before. Right now, it might appear as such, being over players. If your leagues are anything like mine with the rookie drafts, the players you take, you know, you don't have a roster spot for. One resolution to this problem is to simply cut four players. But if you've been allocating players, you've been uh, listening to the right people, you've been reading the right things, you've been thinking the right way, you have so much talent on the roster that you really don't have someone you would like to drop. You've had a bunch of players stashed on IR and now they've been activated off the pup. You need somewhere to put them. You need a new roster spot. Well, a trade is another possible solution. And that leads us to where we are with cells. Let's say you're over right now. If you uh, want to pair a couple players together and swap them for another player in a pick, this is something that could free you up a roster spot, create a foundation for the way you would want a trade to be formatted, get the ball rolling on a uh, possible trade. So, yep, definitely today going to cover some of these sells. It's less about whether I just purely want to sell or to buy a player. It's not necessarily a sell because this player is garbage. I want to sell him. It's a realization that there's a difference in value in another person compared to your own values. So one, being confident in how you value a player and two, being confident in your ability to make a logical decision. You can attack the value structure of another individual. This is just one way to create a motive 
for your trade partner to pursue action in a swap of assets. You have created a demand or a need or found a reason or a format or a structure for a trade to happen. This is half of creating the sale is creating the need in the in the person you're selling them to. So I'm sure if you put Mahomes on the block, immediately you would have five DMs asking you what I have to ask you here. What do you want for Mahomes? Well, we know Mahomes is going to cost a lot, right? But thing is, this is the most he's ever going to cost. He might cost this much for the next four or five years if he stays at this track. But I like to get out now and get multiple pieces because, as we talked about last episode, I am constantly rebuilding my roster to where I never truly have to go into full rebuild mode. If you can trade, this is just tip of the iceberg, right? If you can trade Mahomes for Justin Herbert and Mac Jones, are you doing it? I think you're on the right track. That's a, that's a win overall, probably in value or at least even. I, I'm really looking for a better second piece because I know, you know, the possibilities are out there for something with uh, multiple picks, potentially similar caliber players. Mahomes is reaching what is like a peak, but it's going to be very similar for the foreseeable future. Mahomes isn't an ideal sell candidate right now, unless it's just an offer you you just can't not click yes, even if you don't want to sell Mahomes. Like it needs to be a godfather offer. Uh, And if it's not, then I'm not really interested. If you can get a godfather offer, I would still have some requirements that would need to be met. I would need to be able to get a QB back for sure. I'm not going to give up the positional advantage that Mahomes gives you over an extended period of time at the most scarce position. There's only 32 starting quarterbacks max per week. The advantage that Mahomes gives you now and for the foreseeable future is greater than any of the other quarterbacks at this point, especially. But I definitely understand the idea of capitalizing on pretty much any time a player is going number one overall, you can get more than what that player is worth for them. Like in a 12-team super flex, in a perfectly balanced distribution of quarterbacks, there would be eight teams that have three QBs and four teams that don't even have a third QB. So it's going to be really difficult unless you're getting a quarterback back to be able to craft a trade that I'm going to like to move Mahomes away uh, in a 12-team super flex. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. I have graduated from 12 to 14 team now. I'm starting to back out of my 12 teamers. Gives me more of a challenge. But to your point, if you were not getting a top quarterback, I can understand the cold feet. Okay. My most recent Patrick Mahomes trade was I moved Patrick Mahomes and I got AJ Brown and Justin Fields. I feel like I'm going to win for the years to come because first off, spoiler alert, AJ Brown is my wide receiver one in Dynasty. So I feel like I stole him. And number two, Justin Fields, I mean, this was two weeks ago before preseason. We saw him play preseason, right? I'm a huge Justin Fields fan since he went to Georgia. You know, my love for Georgia players. We all know that. But Justin Fields is a rookie quarterback. Who is to say that, yes, he is on the Bears? I understand. But once he takes over, who is to say that he cannot have a Herbert-type season? right? He cannot catapult himself into the top 10 quarterback dynasty discussion with Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Murray, Russell Wilson, Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, Dak, Deshaun Watson, if everything is cleared with him, obviously, but who is to say he can't return the same value as that? And then you just got the best receiver in 
the future of football, in my opinion, in A.J. Brown. So you get almost the same value at the position, just a little bit more risk, but you upgrade value somewhere else. I also like doing, if you're going to sell a guy like him, you have to sell him for the most possible return. So I'm not by any means saying go and get rid of all your Patrick Mahomes shares, right? I'm saying sell him for someone plus someone and possibly a pick. You have to get a quarterback 100% of the time if you're going to trade a quarterback. I will never trade a quarterback in Superflex and not get one back because it just doesn't make any damn sense. doesn't matter if I have three or four on my roster. If I'm going to sell a quarterback, does not matter the level. I'm getting somebody back. If I'm selling Mahomes, the lease I'm taking is going to be Matt Stafford. The least. And, I mean, I like Matt Stafford. He's getting up there in age, right? He's behind your Justin Fields, your Bakers, your Tannehills, because he's kind of been banged up and he's been getting beat up on the Lions for years and years. I am 100% not going to accept anybody that I have ranked under Matt Stafford. Not even going to take a Tua at this point, right? I have to see more from Tua before I commit. So if I am trading Patrick Mahomes, I want a quarterback that I feel is either the top rookie quarterback, like I feel about Justin Fields, or a top 10 proven quarterback, even if it's just proven one year like Herbert, right? If I get Herbert, fine. If I get Matt Stafford, fine. The other piece better be damn good. If I get Stafford, I need a Jonathan Taylor. I need a J.K. Dobbins. I need something of that nature. That's just my reasoning behind the Patrick Mahomes sell theory. Of course, if I have him, I am probably not going to get what I want for him because now people are going to hear this. Stafford is less than I would take back in most all combinations for Mahomes. If I'm getting a quarterback back, I want it to be a young one that is a QB1. If I'm not getting a top young one back, I never even gave it time for me to have cold feet. I never even took my shoes off. Access denied. When I'm evaluating the difficulty of a league, to me it's a lot more than just simply the number of teams. Each change to the league comes changes to your assumptions, which leads to changes in your strategy and changes in your play style. I think the leagues with the most wild scoring are often the most difficult for me because you have to really think critically about each decision. The instincts you train yourself in the average league may not necessarily apply to like a wild scoring league, regardless of how many teams. I think if you want to make your league less about luck and more competitive, you add flex or total number of players started weekly, which 14 would do, I guess, if you had the same rosters as 12 team. You know, you could start more but I you know I've got 12 teams that have deeper flex that start more players per week than some of my 14 team leagues yeah I I have also tried to move towards more competitive leagues and in these leagues I like to build out from QB I know that the RBs have their highest value at the earliest points in their career so that's the RBs that I'm trying to get I'm most comfortable being weak at wide receiver and just having to figure that out along the way They're the most readily available darts you can throw every year in a rookie draft. To get A.J. Brown and Fields, I I think I like that. A.J. Brown is also my dynasty wide receiver one, and Fields is right on that cusp of what a uh, QB one would be. 
some people are a little worried about Julio. I look at Julio as an offensive upgrade. They're going to be able to move the ball more. There's more yards, more touchdowns to be scored. I don't know that A.J. Brown, who has just turned 24, is going to be harmed by Julio. I think this just has to help. That's why he's begging for him to come on Twitter to come to the Titans. I think this is the beginning of his prime, and for this he is my wide receiver one, though that tier up there is really, really close. You know, last week we didn't really talk about A.J. Brown much, but I was thinking while you were kind of talking about him and his value, I feel like he took a hit on value. Julio has arrived, and people are very unsure about the situation. Um, I have found it easier than before to influence a trade situation with him. I've acquired him. I just checked my share sheet that I keep all the shares. I don't really like calling them shares because, you know, you're not really sharing them. You only own, you own them, right? It's rostered sheet, right? I only see him missing in three leagues that he's not on my roster. So very gettable right now, I feel. I mean, I definitely feel Julio Jones is going to be the best receiver on that team this year. After that, I think it's A.J. Brown's wheels up because Julio has never had somebody who's going to command as much attention as A.J. Brown and that's going to free him up. Easy, easy red zone, free him up. That team is so good, man. I mean, they have Derrick Henry. Like, what? what? I, don't know. I don't even know what you're supposed to do. The Tennessee Titans might go to the Super Bowl this year. Think about it. You have top five running back in the league. Tannehill's playing lights out. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. Doesn't matter about a tight end. Doesn't matter. And that defense is lights out. But Derrick Henry's going to be a sell for me anyway, so we'll talk about him later. Okay, speaking of Tannehill, this is one guy who last year I was buying. As soon as he ended up a Tennessee Titan, I was buying him. This year, and I'm kind of just jumping into quarterbacks because I'm, I'm going to try to follow that positional pattern as we did last week. This year, I'm selling him. Selling Ryan Tannehill because of what happened last year and because of what we have seen before happen with him. We have kind of seen how he uh, falls off, right? Now, I, I attribute that fully to the Miami Dolphins organization because they just, that was, that was his downfall. Just look how it, look how it goes. It just, ugh, right. That, that Adam Gase effect or whatever you want to call it. I find myself selling Tannehill for other assets, like mainly other quarterbacks. And, uh, I'll throw in a third, right. I'll do my normal little strategy where I get you to throw in a third or fourth. And then eventually those third and fourth stack up. And then I ended up selling a bunch for a second or a first or something like that, a plus player. But Ryan Tannehill, I sold for Tua and a pick and I sold for a bundle of picks, right? A late first and two thirds. Am I wrong with feeling like I, I am just in selling Tannehill at this moment in time after the year he had where he was the seven best quarterback in touchdown passes and I don't know what he finished in fantasy based on scoring but he was a QB one for me in every league I had him. I don't get the sense in my leagues that my league mates are aggressively trying to pay the overs on Tannehill despite being a QB one last year. I'm on the buy side for Tannehill as I talked about on the last cast trading for like a late first, you know, if I could get a Mac Jones plus for Tannehill, I'm interested. If I'm rebuilding, you know, win now, that depends on what your QB depth is, but that might kind of hurt you. But even with Mac Jones plus, I'm not, I'm not interested in the thirds and fourths when I'm moving high caliber players. Thirds and fourths are what I acquire for low depth pieces or hot pickups throughout the season. It's not something that tips the scales when moving big pieces. 
not just something I view as uh, efficient management of total team value to decrease uh, the amount of value of one player to distribute it and spread it out into, you know, glorified lottery tickets in thirds and fourths. I find it highly unlikely in my competitive leagues that I can bundle thirds for a first. If I get a third this year and I hit on that guy and, you know, you ended up with Claypool, you know, then you can definitely get a first or better if you you drafted that well, you know. I think I think it would be difficult to bundle thirds and fourths together for something greater the best time to sell them would be on the clock anyways as far as the titans man i'm curious how good that defense can end up being that line's been healthy i think their offense is definitely even better than last year i'm glad that we uh i guess we're on different sides of the spectrum but i'm gonna hope that a few of the other people we're about to talk about we're gonna be aligned with because um i need someone to i guess help me feel like i'm not clinically insane when it comes to this so i'm gonna just say three things one, I am buying Taysom Hill because he's, I got him for a third round pick. I mean, twice. So he's pretty cheap in a super flex. And I very much hope that I can end up flexing him every now and then. We'll see. But what else are you going to get in the third round? Kyle Trask goes second round now in the drafts I'm in. So remember, I'm in a 14 team league. That's the 30th pick at the highest that I'm going to be because I never finished last in the league. Yeah. So. I'm going Taysom Hill all day, but I am selling, like I said in the last episode, Jared Goff, man. I just can't, uh, I just can't trust it. And I feel like he is, I mean, he's kind of been hard for me to sell, but I feel like he still has youth. He has uh, good weapons that I guess you can tell people, oh, look, he has a top five tight end. He has a great running back. He has a great number two running back. He has an up-and-coming rookie receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown. He has nothing else. That's usually what I get hit with. He has nothing else besides a top five tight end and running back. So what does that mean? That means their tight end is probably going to lead the team in targets and receptions and yards, and their running back and run game is just going to be bar none top five in the league if, I mean, if I'm going off of that. One guy I have been selling Jared Goff for, and this could be, this could be, you know, tough. It could, it could be tough for some people to hear this. It's my boy Derek Carr. I am selling Jared Goff for Derek Carr. I am a Raiders fan, but Derek Carr, man, he's, he's been great. He's been a great quarterback since he's entered the NFL. Nobody could argue against it. If you argue against it, you have not watched him. and You don't know anything about quarterbacks because he has been great. He has thrown the ball great. He has made great decisions. He's developed really well. The Raiders suck at putting talent around him. Yeah, let's get the fastest guy in the draft. Oh, how did that turn out for you, sir? How did Henry Ruggs turn out for you last year? Turned out horrible. Over CeeDee Lamb. Even over my guy Jalen Rager. They picked him before T. Higgins. Dude, come on. Come on. I mean, I don't like Jared Judy, but I would have rather Jared Judy. I would have rather any other receiver in that draft than Henry Ruggs. But they did strike gold and got Brian Edwards, which I love Brian Edwards. I own 100% of him. So if you're in the league with me, I own him. You're not getting him. So Brian Edwards, yes, plus, right? But then instead of going to free agency and signing a Kenny Galladay, instead of signing a receiver who could try to be that alpha, they sign John Brown. So yeah, and Kenyon Drake. So I don't know how it's going to turn out, but at least he has better weapons than Jared Goff, right? Another guy I'm trading for, Jared Goff. Another guy I'm trading Jared Goff for, I'm sorry, is Sam Darnold. I'm just going down a list that I have right here. So Sam Darnold, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan. I traded him in one league for Matt Ryan. 
Now, I had to throw in a fourth round pick, but yeah, I'm probably only getting one more year out of Matt Ryan, but I'm going to sell high whenever he has a huge game to Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I mean, get what you can for Jared Goff, but make sure it's at least a decent quarterback option so you're not, you know, in the dumps. What do you what do you feel about Taysom Hill, Jared Goff, and I mean, while we're at it, Derek Carr? Well, for starters, the higher Trask went in rookie drafts, the better it was for me because... I am not even considering rostering Trask unless this is an extremely deep league, like over 300 players where I can slide Trask down. And if old man Brady went down, then you've got a bye week fill in. I just, I just don't see what it is with Trask. He's not someone I'm targeting at all. But to your question, Taysom is a reason to create a trade because someone else has Winston. If someone else has Winston and you have Taysom, I'm trying to make an offer to acquire something. Same deal. If I have Winston, I'm going approaching the Taysom owner with a trade. In a league where you have enough bench spots, it makes more sense to have the whole QB room if it's going to be a 50-50 split. Assuming it's not shallow benches and dynasty, the sum is greater than the parts when it comes to Taysom and Winston. A reason to make a deal. Incentive to start a negotiation. Uh, I want to be on the selling end because I want to be able to shed the risk. Right now they see Saints QB and a Saints QB has been really good for a while, but if they come out there and no QB does well for them, neither one is going to be worth anything. So if I can get rid of Taysom and Winston, I am definitely doing so. As far as Goff, he's someone I'm more likely to be on the buying side of where I value him compared to the selling side. There is a decent chunk of people who have no value for Goff. And when it's a, you know, 12 team super flex or bigger, Goff is still a starting QB who has no risk of losing his job. So for that, he does have some value, but a lot of people are out on him based on all the narratives you just described. As far as trading him for Carr, I feel like that's kind of a lateral move. I mean, I'd, I'd kind of rather have Carr, but, you know, Goff is younger. You know, Carr is great if you're looking for, like, a somewhat trustworthy QB2. No one's taking Carr and thinking that they have a new future QB1 on their squad now. We talked about buying Mac Jones. I feel like selecting Mac Jones in a rookie draft is like being a contestant on a game show. No matter which door you pick, a brand new Carr! I feel they're very similar players where Mac Jones still has the upside of the unknown. This is uh, the tail end of Ryan here. I see him as being useful this year, but just with my rule on older QBs, not a target I'm looking to buy now. You know, if I can sell for where he was closer to where he was valued before Julio left, where I feel now he's probably fallen a little bit in a lot of people's eyes. If I could sell on that old value, Maybe someone isn't really accounting for the change of what's going on there. I don't know. So I think Ryan's going to be super useful this year. But if I can reinvest in a younger QB with a similar expected current production, that's a sale I'm trying to make with Ryan as any quarterback, you know, once they start getting up there in age. Okay, well, I'll take two out of three right there. Um, just Just to give the listeners perspective on where I have the great Taysom Hill ranked, right? great Taysom Hill. I have him ranked right there around the 30 range with, uh, I'm sorry, not Taysom Hill, Jared Goff. (laughs) Taysom Hill is 25th for me in my quarterback rankings for Dynasty. 30th, I have Jared Goff. 31st, I have Jordan Love. 32, I have Drew Locke. 33, I have Teddy Bridgewater. And then the fun starts. 
I mean, you got guys like Big Ben Roethlisberger who might be on his last leg, literally. But I have Taysom Hill at 25. I have Derek Carr at 24. I probably should put Derek Carr higher, but hey, is what it is. A peek on where I have them. Now on to uh, the players that matter in fantasy, right? The best position there is the running back position, right? This is the most volatile position and the position that changes year after year on my roster. You are selling Derrick Henry. I mean, come on. It, it's time. Yes, he is amazing. Yes, he is a highlight reel waiting to happen. Yes, he is one of the best running backs in the league past two years, right? Since 2019. But he is 27 years old, and he's carried the ball last year three, I don't know if this is correct, but it's very close, 375 times, okay? And then I think that was just his fantasy season numbers. Over the past two years, together, it's 700 touches. With playoffs, I'm pretty sure it's close to 800. That's absurd. That's so much miles on his legs, and eventually, even Goliath got knocked down, right? Derrick Henry has to be a sell because yeah, he might do well this year, but next year, I don't believe. Derrick Henry, I just, I I just, I don't want to own him. Simple as that. I can't own him. I just can't. If I had him anywhere, I sold him. That's why I'm telling you this now because I don't have him to sell you. I don't, I don't want to have to sell him to you. I don't have to lie. I don't have to lie to you. I just don't. I don't want to have to lie to you. He is... Lower than you can imagine in my rankings. I mean, I have him running back 13 in Dynasty right now. 101 is Christian McCaffrey, of course. 102 is Jonathan Taylor. 103 is DeAndre Swift. 104 is, I don't know, can't tell you the rest, but Derrick Henry is 115. The reason he is 115 is he's 27 years old. He is built like a freaking tank. No question about it. But he has taken more hits than any running back I, I can think of in the NFL right now. I mean, what's to say that he doesn't fall off the cliff like Todd Gurley did, right? Todd Gurley, greatest show on turf part two, right? And he had that crazy season. Dude's phenomenal. If Todd Gurley would have never got hurt, he would have been one of the best runbacks of all times, in my opinion. His injuries go back to college. And if he would have been staying healthy, I mean, I feel like DeAndre Swift could be that guy. He could be what we wanted Gurley to be. But that's for another day. Derrick Henry, just dude, like, I have him RB15 for a reason. I just can't. I just can't justify putting him up. I would rather Zeke 10 out of 10 times. I would rather, if you can sell Derrick Henry for Nick Chubb, do it and write a a sorry note to that owner because next year is going to look like highway robbery. Just got the best running back physically, you know, pure running style in the league. If you made that trade, just sell the guy. Just sell him. Sell Derrick Henry. You sell Derrick Henry for a guy like Antonio Gibson and maybe a pick, you're winning at life, right? You are winning at life if you can sell Derrick Henry for Antonio Gibson and a pick. Even if you could sell Derrick Henry for, I mean, honestly, if I'm desperate and I'm panicking, I'm a Derrick Henry owner, I see the writing on the wall, and my league is full of savvy individuals, I would sell him for Javante Williams. He's a rookie, and all he is is hype right now. Nobody knows what he is, so... Javante Williams is one of my guys. He's my uh, RB2 out of this class behind ETN. Najee is my RB3. Javante Williams is a dog. I mean, sell Derrick Henry for Javante Williams. That's fine. Another guy I'm selling besides Derrick Henry, and I, then I'm going to give Iowa the mic. And it pains me to say, man. I reevaluated after last episode, but now I have come to the conclusion that I am getting what I can get for Cam Akers. 
It just happened. It just happened overnight. I woke up. I was like, you know what? I talked about this yesterday, and I feel like I was wrong. I feel like Cam Akers right now has to be a sell because there's too much risk and not enough reward. I might just get away from all of the Rams except Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup, honestly. And Van Jefferson, who's a buy, but that's just a secret. Cam Akers, Derrick Henry. I'm all out on Raiders running backs. Kenyon Drake is your name? Goodbye. Josh Jacobs is your name? Goodbye. I'm trading them for the Trey Sermons of the world. I'm trading them for the Chase Edmonds of the world. Now, you can probably get more than that, but that is the minimum I am trying to get because I hold those guys high right now. I'm also selling one other guy who had great news today. James freaking Robinson. Selling him because this is the highlight of the offseason and... Yeah, he had a fantastic year, right? Best year ever for whatever, an undrafted free agent, I believe. So what? He's still an undrafted free agent. And those don't have a long history in the NFL. Eckler is the uh, Eckler is the only one, really, that has had an extensive, um, I guess, success, that you could say, for an undrafted free agent since they kind of came into the league. But at running back, of course. But I, I don't know. I'm just... Those are the guys I'm selling. So, Iowa, talk to me. Well, Gibson is ahead of Henry by quite a ways in my ranks. In the offseason for me, uh, a lot of the you know sharper players in my leagues weren't interested in Henry. Henry was on a lot of blocks because I think a lot of people, I think there are a lot of people who feel the same way that Henry might be a sell that last year might have been a, uh, a good note to go out on as far as having Henry on your roster. As redraft season comes now, now, uh, you know, you're in your redraft leagues and Henry's getting taken in the first round and you go to your dynasty league. Maybe there's some more interest in Henry now. Everyone contemplating winning now. Those with a redraft mindset are looking at Henry like a first round redraft target. And so that sell high opportunity might actually uh, be there right now. In redraft, you're looking back and a little bit forward the end of the season. In Dynasty, you were looking forward and a little bit back because you don't get points for what your player did last year. You only get points for what they do this year and forward in Dynasty. Henry is my RB17, so I'm right there with you. I do know that those rankings of ours are against consensus. As far as Gurley's fall off, he had the lower body injuries and Henry has not picked up lower body injuries. Henry is also a rule breaker. Everything you think that would happen to a running back as far as what has happened throughout his career, be it the lack of involvement in the passing game to not coming straight in as an RB1 to uh, now being 27 and a half years old, if he could still do it this year, you know, you can't actually be surprised about it because he's already broken all the rules anyways. That would basically be my pitch if I was trying to move 27-and-a-half-year-old Henry with a ton of combined touches recently, like you said. 700 touches. 7-0-0. That's more touches than three-fourths of the NFL running backs have in their career. I mean, if you think about it, right? You don't, you don't really have that many bell cow running backs. I just can't. I can't get over it. NFL touch leaders. 2020. I don't know what to think about anybody that can say that isn't a big deal, right? You have people who say, oh, that's not a big deal. Nah, that's not a big deal. If you look at Derrick Henry last year, right? And then you look at 
Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry had 363 fantasy points. Phenomenal season, 2,000 yards. Not taking that away from him. Alvin Kamara, 371, had more fantasy points than Derrick Henry. So now let's compare their touches. Alvin Kamara, 270 total touches just last season. Derrick Henry, 400. Do people realize this? He had nearly 130 more touches and still wasn't the top fantasy running back. Last year was the peak. Last year was the biggest point in Derrick Henry's career. He is never doing that again. If he does it again, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll do something crazy if he does it again. I'll do something crazy. I might get Derrick Henry 2K tattooed on the back of my neck. I mean, uh, I might go uh, I might go streak out of Titans game. I'm going to do something insane. If he hits 2K again, it's not happening. So sell the dude. There's barely any tread left on his tires. I don't believe you if you say he's going to do this for the next five years. I don't believe you. Period. It doesn't happen. Running backs don't hold up. And the cliff is very, very quick for these guys. Ugh. Talking about Derrick Henry got my blood boiling. I, didn't, I just had to I had to interrupt. I wanted to scream, too. Good thing I have neighbors, because I would have screamed. It just doesn't make sense. I think you made some really good points on the fantasy point efficiency per touch examples that you referenced there. That's what happens when you're not involved in the passing game. You know, the passing touches are worth more than the rushing touches. So he can have a lot more touches and scoreless points because he's not involved in the passing game. And that's what you need to be able to evolve as a usable running back as your age gets up there. My position on Acres is unmoved in comparison to last pod where... I still feel he is a perfect buy, especially right now. It's a perfect time to buy Acres, even if you don't believe in him. His value is going to rise for reasons stated in the past episode, and you can get back out of Acres before the season ends and still post a profit and not even have to have him going into next season. I think he's just a great buy. You know, if people are selling Jacobs, I'm buying. Still one of the ones that I feel are a very limited commodity. Josh Jacobs is right there near the 20 mark in my RB ranks. I still view him in that tier above the cliff in Dynasty. As far as Drake, he's a guy who should be rostered and him, like pretty much any cuffs, are more of a reason to trade than anything. I like to sell other people their cuffs. This is another example of creating a reason for a trade discussion to begin. Speaking of cuffs, James Robinson. (laughs) Uh, I can see it now. I can see it now. The victory laps the first few weeks of the season as James Robinson gets more touches than ETN. I think ETN will be a buy halfway through the season. I remember buying Akers and JT last year early. I remember when Jordan Wilkins was a thing. I think you sell J-Rob after the hype pieces drop like what happened today. And after the first couple games, you will also have a window where people will be, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid with J-Rob. I remember when Henderson was the reason people were fading Akers. Now, that's a little bit different story. But I'm, I'm with the thought that the Rams have been looking for reasons to fade Henderson for a while now. I think they would have uh, been more excited for Henderson after Akers went down than to try to express it without fully backing him as their stud. Speaking of studs, I think that's what J-Rob can be in 2023. He was an undrafted free agent. He's free to go where he wants after three years. He's currently 23. So that'll be right at what would be the mid of his prime. Like Gaskin, he's 
proved that he can outperform his draft capital or, you know, his lack of draft capital with James Robinson specifically. I remember looking at charts last year with the percent of temps an RB had for their team. And James Robinson was an incredibly high outlier, just such a high percentage of the total number of carries that were given out. You know, obviously that's not going to be the same case this year. He doesn't have the entrenched starter get cut and then his backup, who I liked better in Armstead at that point at least, goes to COVID. Chris Thompson's dinged. Like a lot of things broke perfectly for the J Rob experience to happen. Like I said with Robinson, he could land a pretty sweet gig here in a couple years, but I'm trying to win now and in the future. And now and in the future also includes now. And I'm not sure that Jamie Rob is going to be the player I want at the end of the season. You know, you're trying to win weeks 15, 16, and 17 this season. And then every season after that, I want the what would be starter, presumably by the end of the year with ETN uh, over like a J Rob. Now things could break his way. COVID could strike again. You know, almost everything last year had an asterisk because of COVID. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. I firmly believe that sort of situation will pan out almost exactly what you said. I do think ETN is going to be on the field a lot, but I just don't know how many touches he's going to get out of the gate because they do have Lavishka, they do have DJ Chark, and they have Marvin Jones. So they have a lot of receivers. I mean, I think it could be a, a situation where you sell James Robinson now while there is some fresh hype, and then you buy him at the low point this season because... When he is a free agent, there will be a team that gives him a shot. And I don't believe that last year was totally a fluke, right? I mean, that just doesn't happen. He looked really good, but draft capital is everything. And I just don't see him sticking around. Be the same with Miles Gaskin this year. I have him everywhere. I mean, he is the best value right now that you can get in Dynasty and Redraft. For a starting running back, I mean, he's cheap. He's the cheapest. And he's a grinder. He really grinded out hard yards whenever he was healthy. He played really good, plays a good role, versatile. Malcolm Brown is not absolutely nothing compared to Gaskin. I love Gaskin, but I just feel like next year's a draft, they will draft a running back to replace him, or they'll sign one in free agency. So after this year, whenever Miles Gaskin has a top 15 running back performance on the year, sell him, sell him. It's going to be the most you're going to get. And then possibly, possibly you sell him for a James Robinson. If it looks like James Robinson is done or if he's just a second fiddle and we know he's going to pursue a bigger contract and we know Miles Gaskin is about to be replaced, consider the sell, right? Consider it. I love that strategy. If you could try to predict the depth chart in a year and you do it right, it's going to do wonders for you, kid. It's going to do wonders for you. I promise. And I mean, I just kind of thought about it, but could have a prom opportunity in disguise. Now, I know I just said I'm about to kind of crawfish them to what I said earlier. Where I said I'm selling Cam Akers, but I would totally buy Cam Akers if I could get him for James Robinson. That's just me personally. I don't know if it's possible. I haven't tried it. And I've been going through a conflicting thought process just now during this whole conversation. Whenever I said, whoa, hold on. Cam Akers. Hold on. Is it possible? Because if he somehow he does come back, he could still be that guy. We'll see. So are there any other backs that you feel are an instant sell right now? Well, 
as a general approach, if an RB is 26 and a half or older, then it's not someone I'm aggressively pursuing and it's not someone I have any problem selling. The scarcity at RB makes it a little bit difficult to move a running back when there isn't a whole lot of solid starts to go around. So it's not always the easiest trade to format in a way that uh, makes sense for both parties. You can take advantage of selling these older RBs that are still valued because I personally would rather be out a year early than a year late just as a strategy to approach Dynasty with. Examples would be like Aaron Jones, who's 26 and a half. He looks really good this year. He could be Rodman to uh, Pippen and Jordan for that team. The future's a little murky if Rodgers is gone. and Yeah, that, that was rough. He, he was almost a dolphin. That week that he was almost a dolphin, I sold every single one of my A.J. Dillon shares. I have almost zero A.J. Dillon shares, save a few best ball. I sold him as if he was the starter for the Packers this year and returned that value in the form of other players. You know, as soon as Aaron Jones signs back, you know, Dylan falls in value a little bit. But I mean, it's not like he's bad now, but obviously not as sweet of an outlook for A.J. Dillon now that Aaron Jones is back. But I've already capitalized on the previous value adjustment and I did it safely. As in, if, you know, Aaron Jones had been a Dolphin, I would have been content with any of the trades that had happened because it was selling him at that, which I viewed as best case scenario. Chris Carson's almost 27. Uh, he's another one who's probably going to be pretty good this year, but next year, uh, not as excited. Mike Davis, I've just been waiting all offseason for them to sign someone and just ruin everyone's perception of Mike Davis. I feel like it's just been coming, but, you know, Foreman isn't exactly who I was thinking there, but at the same time, I'm worried that 29-year-old Mike Davis won't have any value next year and might and is in jeopardy of losing value this year if they signed, you know, a above-average running back from one of these roster cuts, maybe. Mostert is someone I'm fading. I know, I know, I know. He's popular in a lot of circles. He's 29 years old, and he's made of glass. He is kind of like Fuller, where, you know, for that quarter and a half, that he plays he he's pretty awesome but he probably had two huge plays and then you know he got hurt and you didn't have him for two weeks especially with the San Francisco backfield there's a there's a lot of running backs there that all could have a chance and it could just be like playing Russian roulette with a backfield trying to roll out 49ers every week Melvin Gordon is 28 years old and I absolutely love Javante Williams so I just can't wait for Melvin Gordon to get out of the way they have a decent motive to use him some initially, but if Javante Williams is as good as I think he is, then by the end of the year, I think it'll be Javante Williams with a, a little bit of Gordon sprinkled in, assuming healthy parties all the way around. David Johnson is closer to 30 than he is 29, and Lindsay is 27 years old and was uh, an undrafted free agent. He was James Robinson before James Robinson was cool. I'm not interested in any of these guys. I'm not interested in any of the collection of antique running backs that the Texans have assembled. You touched on Gaskin, and that's uh, someone I'd like to get rid of, too. You know, obviously, I like Dokes, but, you know, let's be realistic. That's a flyer guy. And like I said, he's he's like a younger version of Malcolm Brown. And Malcolm Brown gets running with the ones in the preseason games where they have no motive to actually roll 
with what their starters are. They're trying out various things and positions. I'm not one to overreact or change a ton in my rankings based on what happens in preseason. You know, you kind of keep your ear to the ground. You see a, a running back you've been hoping would break out, start doing some things in preseason. It can be a sign that, you know, that potential is there. Yeah, I'm willing to sell Hunt. We know what the deal is with Chubb. I'm willing to sell Fournette or Ronald Jones. Some people are really on Ronald Jones, but uh, that's <laughs> not me. I'm not one of them. Dude, he's going to be a top 30 running back this season. Ronald Jones? Top 30, yeah, easy. But uh, whatever, dude. If you're passing up a top 30 running back, that's on you. I don't know. I mean, top 30 is... Uh, you're not actually setting the bar that high. <laughs> I mean... I prefer my running backs not to have bricks for mitts. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm trying to stay away from the Bucks pass game completely. I mean, run game completely. Because I feel like it's the last ride for Tom Brady. And why not chunk it out as much as you can whenever you have the best wide receiver in core in the NFC right now? All right. Well, I think that is it for the running backs. And now we're on to uh, the most streamable position, I guess, for me. But not for everybody. So we will have to touch on it lightly and go the wide receivers. So wide receivers, right? Wide receivers said there was only one wide receiver. I would never, ever, 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 ever sell. And that was my boy. I've stuck with him through everything. I stuck with him through whenever he had stick figures as quarterbacks. I mean, he literally had the absolute worst of the worst thrown in the ball in the NFL. And it is the man, the myth, the legend, DeAndre Swap Hopkins. Love him. Never moving him ever. But one guy I am moving, and it could surprise you, could not, is sadly, right, this is where the violin plays in the background. We're going to pour one out for my boy, Devontae Adams. Now, he's still in my top five receivers, right? It's A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Stephon Diggs, D.K., Devontae Adams. I just feel something could happen very soon, as in the next year. If Aaron Rodgers leaves, Devontae Adams will not. He's not going to be this Devontae Adams, right? He'll still be Devontae Adams, no doubt about it. But I don't know if he's going to be a top three type of receiver, right? He'll probably be top 15-ish, something like that. I am selling Devontae Adams. I am also selling a guy by the name of Bobby. That's right. I'm talking about my boy who I have stuck through throughout everything. He is one of the most undervalued wide receivers and people continue to ignore him. Robert Woods. I think now is the time to sell. I mean, he's approaching 30. I don't know what you can get for him because I kind of, I'm kind of keeping him just because I have, he holds a piece of my heart, but I'm selling him. I'm selling a guy I've pounded the table to sell every freaking year. All he is, is a target hog. He's really not that good of a receiver. It's Mike Evans. I'm always selling Mike Evans. Always, 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 always. The guy that just joined him is Michael Thomas, right? Michael Thomas is a sell for me as well, but I'm not going to go too much on that because I'm that's still close to the chest for me. That still hurts my heart. So just a recap, Devontae Adams. Uber talented, right? If all of a sudden Jordan Love becomes quarterback, I don't trust Devontae Adams. Don't just sell Devontae Adams to sell him, but sell him before Aaron Rodgers leaves. Robert Woods, my guy, love you. You're awesome. I enjoy having you year after year. You're approaching age 30, and they drafted Tutu Atwell this year and Van Jefferson last year. The future is near for that receiver core, and you are not part of it. So if you have to sell him to make a last-ditch effort for a win-now team, do it. Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, 
selling you because I uh, just I can't trust you and you're nothing to me at this point. Okay, I'm done. All of your cells at wide receiver are over 27 and a half years old. Oh, that's not even on purpose. <laughs> this is the position I'm most comfortable being weak. You know, rookie wide receivers are at the end of every rookie draft first round and in the second. It's easier as a winner to restock wide receivers in rookie drafts rather than trying to fill a hole at RB when they're the best ones are going towards the top of drafts typically. Over 27 and a half and in my top 50 starts with Adams. This is the last dance. He's going to probably be pretty sweet this year, but afterwards I'm really scared. He could fall in value in, in half easily in a year's time. The murky future, both at QB at Green Bay and contract if he's even in Green Bay. Maybe you're rebuilding. Adams would be a, a smart move. If you're win now, if you can get those big offers, some people are going to boost him right back up to, this is my wide receiver one for the season. Well, then if they feel that way, that's probably the person you might be able to come out with a profit after engaging in a trade with. Another player that would be kind of like that would be like Hopkins. Some still have him in that very tip-top tier. If you're league mates have him rank like this then this is the trade partner you want if you're trying to sell hopkins i'm the big fan that's me i'm the big fan i'll buy him from you i i mean if you have christian mccaffrey if you have lamar jackson you have deandre hopkins or you have now it's kyle pitts at those positions those are my top love affairs so i'm the big fan sell them to me i'll make it worth your while i'll give you two first and uh coupon a little caesars or something oh man i was wondering at first but you know <laughs> coupon. i mean you have to start low on the offer you cannot start where where they want you to start anyways now that people know it's me i look forward to what you're saying i feel like covid just gives everything an asterisk last year i think that there's a good chance that there's an improved chemistry with hopkins a better presentation of the best of what you can get from Hopkins in that scenario. The problem is just that he's not super young. He's not super fast. It's still maybe a year early, but it just depends on what I could sell it for. He's 29 already, you know, so he's going to be 30 going into next year. How much do you love 30-year-old wide receivers with lots of pass production? About as much as Thielen? Well, if Hopkins is worth Thielen next year, might be a little bit of a stretch, but the reason why I'm willing to move Hopkins this year, you know, just because someone is a sell doesn't mean you have to sell low. It doesn't mean they're a garbage player. Like with Woods, I think a lot of people undervalue Woods, like you said, so he might be more of a hold to me in most circumstances. Now, every once in a while, you're going to run into somebody who's a big Rams fan or they've always liked Woods since he was on the Bills. Uh, you know, there's uh, definitely fantasy leaguers out there that would love the, the Woods with Stafford now combo. I think this is a player you want to have this year. But uh, he is 29 going into this season. Michael Thomas is someone who you can sell if people haven't adjusted enough for the surgery. The fact that he's going to be 29 when next season starts with a murky QB situation looming in the very near future. He's someone I'm a little, little bit nervous that he's not going to more than half his value in a year's time. So if you can get someone who hasn't quite made that big of an adjustment yet, I think it might be time to get get out from under him. Obviously, there's, you know, like we said last time, the various little diva drama things and whatnot, and it's a second surgery, and it's a notorious lower body injury. There's reasons to be nervous about Thomas, but if you can sell someone 
who won their league because they had Thomas that one year. That might be your target for such a player. He's, you know, almost 28 and a half. Mike Evans, you said, is under contract until 2024, his age 31 season. He will be on the team when Brady has retired. Godwin, obviously a free agent next year. Mike Evans is currently almost 28. He has had 1,000-yard seasons for a long time in a row. And it isn't even always just the volume. It's, you know, two catches, two touchdowns. Like, he's found a way to make it happen each and every year. But, you know, this is the end of peak. This is the beginning of what would be decline or the last of the plateau of what you would consider peak. I have uh, no problem moving Mike Evans, though it might be something where you might have to wait until he uh, has a a couple touchdown game before you move on from him, but he's someone whose situation in the future is not necessarily ideal. And just, you know, once they get to this uh, point, I'm, I'm trying to reinvest them into something similar and younger. Keeps proving me wrong. It's only a matter of time, right? I mean, Bruce Arians has to realize who the best receiver on the team is. It's been Chris Godwin since he arrived there. Chris Godwin is a top 10 dynasty receiver. Perfect world. Wanted Godwin to go to the Raiders in the offseason. I would have probably moved to Las Vegas, bought season tickets, and tried to get a job at the stadium or on the team. I mean, dude, there's only two or three things that can make me have just a perfect moment in life. And that would have been the perfect moment. I mean, he is that guy for me. But Mike Evans, man, I I just don't. Chris Godwin is the best receiver on that team. And yet Mike Evans is the target hog. Feed Chris Godwin those targets to see what happens. Bet you it's better than Mike Evans. And Chris Godwin is like 25. He's about to be on a second contract. He's going to be wherever he is for the next four years. He can play any position on the field that a receiver needs to play. He is just a monster. I mean, he has the word win in his name. (laughs) He's even good for your fantasy team names. Okay, whatever. Mike Evans always ruins my day. You know, some would say Pitts is a god. Oh, well, look. I mean, if we're going to fast forward, if we really want to fast forward this conversation, Pitts is, I don't think he's a god yet, right? But, I mean, he is my tight end three in Dynasty easily. There's no question about it. Travis Kelsey, a.k.a. Zeus. Well, he shaved his beard. I don't know. He's number one. Darren freaking Waller is number two because it's Darren Waller. But number three is Kyle Pitts, dude. I have never seen a physical specimen like this. I haven't. I mean, the dude runs a 448, 449-40. Are you serious? You're 250 pounds, sir, and you're moving as fast as most receivers, if not faster than them in the NFL, and you're six foot six. And you are physical at the point of the, the catch point. I mean, dude, he's only 20 years old. He can't even drink. Kyle Pitts, the minor. Minor in consumption and minor in possession. I mean, dude, he's, he is, <laughs> I mean, this is the highest I've ever seen a tight end drafted. Have you ever seen a tight end that was drafted at pick four? I don't, I can't think of any. Nobody could guard him in college. I don't know why Florida didn't just only pass him the ball they should have made every single other person on the field block and just threw it up to Pitts every time they probably would have won a national championship if they did that because he is that good Kyle Pitts is a league winner okay he steps into the best situation out of any rookie that got drafted right you can't you can't really argue that Julio Jones is gone all of the major red zone targets are gonna go to Kyle Pitts right away yeah he might struggle 
but he has side speed and nobody is going to be stronger than him at the catch point. Nobody. He's going to be like a wide receiver playing tight end, right? Ooh, spooky. But no, he is that guy. He can literally do that. He can line up wherever they need him on the field. He's been lining up at slot in camp. He's been lining up at Y all the way to the right. He's been lining up at tight end. No, he's not cheap, okay? He's not cheap. You will have to pay for him in Dynasty. The highest I drafted him, literally, I can post proof, was the 101 in a super flex tight end premium league. I drafted him at 101 because he is a roster changer. He will single-handedly win you weeks this year. And that's probably a bold prediction, but look, it doesn't matter because it's right, okay? He's going to be a top five tight end this year right away. And I don't think people realize that yet, but he will. That's in seasonal. Now, in Dynasty? In Dynasty. If we're going to talk about him in Dynasty, get him while you can. Because his first performance this year, where he has the tight end one week, you will not be able to get him again. Promise you. I am holding just a few years ago, whenever I touted Lamar Jackson, everybody thought I was a lunatic. And look what he is now. This is the most confident I have been about a player since Lamar Jackson. Now I'm on to Kyle Pitts. I'm telling you, Kyle Pitts is that guy. Pay the price. It's worth it. My impression of the ability to buy and sell Pitts is that most people who own Pitts paid a high price for him, taking him over guys like Fields and Chase and Javante and Wilson. In every draft, tight end premium or not, Pitts went before I would consider taking him. Anytime I was on the clock with Pitts there, I was going another direction or trading back. It was never pits. I have one total share of pits, and it was a super tight end premium league with wild scoring where I had eight picks in the first round. Well, they're not shares, right? I, I got to stop doing that. I've been pounded on in the past, right? Well, I work in finance. <laughs> okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. You're more uh, You're more of that, that part than me, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to I have a take when it comes to the use of the word shares. There's not an infinite number of leagues that you can be in. So there is a finite number of leagues that you are in. There is a finite number of availabilities to have pits on a team. Uh, okay. I understand shares has been brought up as like a trigger word for some. And I understand that, you know, the interaction statements like these broad sweeping statements like these would bring and you know there's a reason we know who lavar ball is it's the same reason this narrative is being floated you know negative attention is still attention <laughs> i honestly think pushing the narrative is genius from a marketing perspective you know clicks or sales and you're getting them this way but as far as on the sale of pits uh with the assumption that it is a ppr 12 team super flex league those who have pits might consider seeking out someone who values pits similar to the way you value pits, wow. in my opinion. I've seen Godfather offers for pits. It's the people who are trying to trade up in the draft. That window to be able to get that super offer might have passed with the draft, but uh, with each one-handed catch in camp or, wow. you know, leaping grab, the opportunity opens again where you can, you know, move pits for a premium. You know, taking pits <laughs> wow. is saying that he is a unicorn. And he has already proved Man. to be a unicorn Dude. as far as NFL draft you're gonna, capital. You're going to regret this. I'm just saying, letting you know now, come week eight, you will regret this.
Pitts is my 10th ranked rookie in 12-team Superflex 0-TEP PPR leagues. I'm taking Javante Williams and Chase in startups before Kelsey Kittle, Waller, and of course Pitts. The player is uber-talented. This is not a statement that I don't think Pitts is good. It's just how good you have to be to be worth his draft capital. It's Tony Gonzalez reincarnated. You know, how good you are in the NFL is not the equivalent to how good you are for dynasty purposes. Like any player, you want to sell with the hype. If you can get those godfather offers, that is what I would be looking for if I had pits. Obviously, tight end premium changes the outlook for pits and possibly your wild scoring affects the value of tight ends or the number of starting tight ends or, or even like going from 12 team to 14, 16 or bigger leagues. But from a sell perspective, with many players, if you know others value a player more than you do, and you are confident in your own values, consider whether now is the time to actually capitalize on that value, especially when it comes to Pitts, who may have a historic season and still not reach his current startup draft capital level of investment or rookie draft level of investment that he's had this year yeah i mean i i understand and uh i don't necessarily support it but i um i see where you're coming from right you're not totally crazy i mean you are crazy but not totally i'll take that i'm gonna leave it at that because we're about to just have to argue about pits all night one thing i will say is one buy okay i don't normally do this but he's a buy that i already have and you should probably get, um, he's hurt right now, or he recently got hurt. I don't know if he still is. But the guy, so I usually try to not draft tight ends in rookie drafts, but this year I'm drafting two. The other guy I'm drafting is at the end of the third round. Um, sometimes he even lasts the fourth round. But Hunter Long, he's not uber athletic, but he is what you want a tight end. He can block and he can catch. The riding's on the wall. Like, I, I don't know how else to say it. They didn't re-up on Mike Gusecki. I feel like Mike Gusecki's gone. And Hunter Long was showing a decent progression in training camp, uh, in the off-season little practices and stuff from everything I was reading from the beat writers and whatnot and the reporters. Now, he did get hurt, but this is a guy I am buying, right? Um, especially now that he's hurt. That could be why I'm getting him so late in rookie drafts. I only have one more rookie draft back to like 23 leagues so i need to chill out a little bit but it's it's very imperative that people understand this is not a normal year for tight ends in my opinion i feel like hunter long and kyle pitts are going to be i mean kyle pitts is going to be the best tight end in football next year um well that's a big that's a big statement i can't believe i just said that but i'm totally backing it he will be the best hunter long could easily be top 15 thinking about it more and more thinking about it i like hunter long so and it's not going to be a long time till Kyle Pitts is legal either. Get it. All right, that, that's my Hunter Long spiel. It just popped in my head because, I mean, I do want to help you as the listener, right? I do want to help you get ahead in your rookie drafts if you still have them. And if not, I would trade a 2022 third for Hunter Long. So sell those 2022 thirds for Hunter Long. I mean, really, any any league. He's just a, he's a taxi guy right now, right? He's, he's essentially a free place on your roster. So if you're uh, in leagues like my leagues where draft order is not determined by record but by your actual possible points scored, if you're not the champion, yeah, you might have a 6-7 and seven record, but what if you just got lucky and you had a just a bunch of bozos every week you played and you had, 
a thousand two hundred points scored and everybody else had like sixteen seventeen hundred but you got really lucky you're not going to get that two years in a row so it helps kind of set the correct order I guess, of who can benefit the most from the first round pick of 101. And then uh, I also do in some leagues, more so the uh, the prize leagues are, if you win the consolation bracket, you get the 101. That's part of your prize, right? You get your money back and you get the 101 in the consolation bracket. So yeah, that's uh, kind of getting sidetracked. Hunter Long is a buy for me. One other sell receiver-wise that I was thinking of is... Now, I don't know what you're going to get for him. I don't, but this is a guy that I'm kind of selling. Going to be my guy. Touted him in the past. He's not really a receiver. He follows, I guess, in the tight end range too, but I consider him a receiver because that's all I use him for. He's going to be listed as a tight end in your league. It's Evan Ingram. I mean, he's their best receiver besides Kenny Galladay. I always rank him with my receivers kind of because he's like that tight end who you want to be, I guess, what we view Kyle Pitts as, right? You want him to be that uber-athletic tight end that can go and be a game-changer. He was a first-round pick. He was a 23rd overall pick three years ago-ish, three years ago, right? But with Kenny Galladay there, if Kenny Galladay does stay healthy, there is a huge chance that Evan Ingram is not even close to what we think he can be because Kenny Galladay is going to be taking up all those... uh, you know, red zone targets, jump ball targets. So receiver slash tight end, Evan Ingram, I'm selling him. I only own him in one league right now, and I'm trying to trade him somehow, some way for Darren Waller, but it just ain't happening because, like, I have to add a lot to <laughs> to get it, Darren Waller. So I, I don't know. I mean, if you can sell him and you can get a good return, which you feel is good, like if you can get a Hunter Henry or if you could get a Dallas Goddard, right? If you could get one of those guys for him and possibly a second, I'd do it. But that's just a guy popped in my head that I am currently selling. Ingram is the poor man's pits. Athletically gifted, has draft capital. 442 speed. Oh my gosh. He's faster than pits. <laughs> On the topic of young tight ends, there are a few stashes I'd like to throw out there. Typically, tight end is not something I'm actually stashing, but tight end premium is more popular. There's a lot of tight end premium leagues out there. You get a wild scoring league that has some real incentive to hold tight ends, or you're in a league that's deeper than 300 total players owned, or a league where you know maybe you're starting multiple tight ends. Hunter Long has been and will be a later target for me, which leads into why I would like to sell Gusecki. Gusecki might not even be on the team next year, and Hunter Long is a fantastic pass catcher. So I think, you know, there's a possibility for him to slide in there in the future. And then even last year, you know, some random tight ends behind Gusecki got uh, some looks. So there's a handful of other young tight ends that are taxi eligible who I could stash in leagues that uh, reward tight ends in comparison to the other positions, more so than a normal league. These guys, Brevin Jordan, Noah Gray, Kylan Granson, and Jacob Harris. Brevin Jordan, I like him, and there's a couple guys in the group that have liked him since before the NFL draft. Noah Gray has been getting some hype recently. He's behind Kelsey, who's about to turn 32 years old. You know, if uh, Kelsey were to miss time, or maybe even if Kelsey doesn't miss time, maybe if they just run, you know, a lot of like 12 personnel, maybe he gets a decent run, some looks this year. Kylan Granson, another pass-catching tight end on a team where his competition is like Moelle Cox, so it's not like there's just a stud ahead of him on the depth chart. 
gotten a little bit of this, the preseason and camp hype. So he's someone I'm keeping an eye on, someone willing to stash. And then Jacob Harris as well has fantastic athletic measurables when he's classified as a tight end. They felt good enough letting Everett walk and keeping Higby. So I'm not sure that Jacob Harris is going to be super relevant this year, but he has been getting a lot of reps. So he's someone I'm also willing to stash and uh, keep hanging out there. As far as sells, Logan Thomas is a sell just due to the fact that, you know, he, he's an older tight end. If someone is pretty much willing to buy just about any tight end, I'm willing to sell. Obviously, the top few are in a separate tier, and then there's a tier after that, and then there's everybody else for the most part. You know, every year tight ends emerge. There's opportunities to pick up a tight end every week that might, you know, end up being something for a while, like Uzoma last year. You know, uh, these are opportunities for stashes that you can take if you don't have tremendous depth at tight end. So I'm always willing to sell my depth, my startable depth at tight end. Yeah, with Troutman, I'm not too concerned with Juwan Johnson switching tight end. I understand, you know, he might get uh, some preseason look, but for someone switching to a new position like that, you think that maybe they're just trying out this new idea and seeing how it goes. I'm not concerned with Troutman. Those are some good stashes. I have a little bit of Noah Gray. I have one Brevin Jordan. Literally one. Woke up this morning, looked at my phone. Oh, it's your pick in a draft. I was like, are you serious? I looked at it, said, who do I not have? It's one of those things where you're just too tired to think and you're just like, screw it, I'll deal with this situation later. Well, I picked Brevin Jordan because he was the first person <laughs> in my queue. So now I own a Brevin Jordan. So I'm supporting him, all for it. Hunter Long, all for it. No Gray, all for it. I don't own any of the other two. Um, usually, once he gets there, I take my shot on a Cornell Powell or a uh, just random guy. So I try to get many random guys. Hopefully I hit on one of them if they make the team. One other tight end that I want to speak on. So we really haven't talked about sales in the tight end space. I am selling Gusecki, obviously. I am selling Logan Thomas. I just don't see it with him. I am selling Tyler Higby. These are all for obvious reasons, in my opinion. Evan Ingram's the other one, right? Austin Hooper, I am selling I am selling most of those tight ends for like a Cole Komet or, I mean, I don't know what Jonu Smith's value is, but I would sell, I would sell them for Jonu Smith, right? I would sell a package deal with one of those tight ends being a player for Jonu Smith because uh, we don't know, I guess, necessarily which of these tight ends are going to hit for the Patriots, right? You have Hunter Henry and you have Jonu Smith. They could both hit very well. Bill Belichick is the Mad Hatter of the NFL and he can actually make this thing work. I don't have any doubt in Bill at all with how he's going to use the tight ends because he got them both for a reason. But I'm getting rid of those guys, right? I'm getting rid of those guys because Logan Thomas is 30 years old and he's a converted quarterback and he plays for the Washington Redskins and I just don't trust him. Tyler Higby, he got an upgraded quarterback, but I'm not a fan. Evan Ingram just talked about him. Austin Hooper, Austin Pooper, right? No, I don't want him. Give me a guy by the name of Cole Komet, who is on the come up. He has my boy Justin freaking Fields throwing him the ball, baby. And he has Montgomery in the backfield trying to do what he can do and get defenses to crowd, prepare for the run. They're going to feed him. 
Cole Komet should easily be able to use that huge wingspan of his to catch every freaking target at the tight end position. He's just, he's the guy this year. I'm telling you, he's about to jump ranks big time. Another guy I am trading a group of those for, like the Mike Gusecki's, the Tyler Higby's, is Irv Smith. If you can get Irv Smith and like a uh, pick, this is more of the unknown right here. About to throw this name out here because I need Adam Troutman on my lineup. I don't even care if he's good this year. I just need to see his name on my team. That's the guy I'm buying. Recap of who this guy exactly is because I, I call him Fishman, right? He's from Dayton, the college. He's picked in, uh, I believe, the third round. He reminds me He reminds me of Tyler Eifert, what we thought he would be before he kept getting hurt and stuff. What we thought Tyler Eifert could be, right? He had that really good season, and people were comparing him to Travis Kelsey. Adam Troutman can be what those people thought Tyler Eifert would be. I am not phased by the Jawan Johnson talk that came out today where he could play the Jared Cook role, switch to another team role. That's what he could play because Adam Troutman is a better tight end. Adam Troutman is the guy there. Adam Troutman is the guy who won. Maybe he's cheaper. I don't know. I haven't tried today to get him. That is my last buy, sell, tight end. It kind of morphed whenever we got the tight ends into buys because I'm not really selling tight ends. I don't hoard tight ends as much as the other positions. And the guys that I have on my taxi squad are guys I am constantly buying. I like my tight end room to all look the same. So my tight end room currently the sleeper on all of my rosters who can end up shooting up the ranks. Pat Fryermith. That's my sleeper. But I'm just not sold on that offense. Stick to being personal, right? This is a personal episode. I'm going to stick to being personal. The Scott Fishbowl, right? We all know two years ago, I almost won the dang thing, right? Top 30. That's where I get my top 30 in the world title from. I'm back, baby. And lastly, preseason football is here. We didn't have preseason last year. We had to wait. Preseason football is here. You get to watch football. You get to watch these rookies actually try to make the roster. You have to realize, okay, you're sitting at home at your job doing whatever you got to do. You have a job. These people are literally fighting for their job on that field, fighting for a job. There is nothing more entertaining than that. (laughs) Nothing more entertaining than that. See you next show for the Taxi Squad extravaganza. To end the show, Iowa. In closing, it's not who you sell or who you buy. It's how you do it and how you go about it. The logic you use when you're making these decisions. Through these series of pods we have going through here, we might be able to illuminate some perspectives that maybe you hadn't considered before. You know, getting a a perspective from a pawnbroker and a football coach. Make sure to check out everybody here on the Sleeper Wire Network. We'll be back again next week. Maybe even some shorts coming up here in the very near future. That's it, people. Thanks for hanging with us. Have a good night. Adios. Gonna do wonders for you, kid.